Cape Talk. Plan B. I've missed you. Likewise, John. Every but second I'm serious. <laughs> has been a, a torment. I am serious. And not only I have missed you, many, many listeners have missed you. Did you have a lovely holiday? I did. Thank you, John. You went to Berlin, amongst other places. I did. I was just very depressed when I got back and realized the entire news cycle was still about Nkandla. And I know that sounds naive, but I just couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe that I left an Nkandla-obsessed South Africa and got back to the same exact position. It felt quite regressive. <laughs> Here we are, John. This and is we our want world. to be progressive, not regressive. That's it. Can I put some words in front of you? Of course. Yeah, words that I'm sure you will know. There's mm-hmm. one that I didn't know. The theme this week in the Wordsmith Word of the Day email that I get is unusual verbs for everyday actions. Mm-hmm. Micturate? Micturate. Now, that sounds like something to do with breast milk, but it's not, is no, it? No, it's weeing, urinating, oh, micturating. Okay. Osculate? Mm-mm, I got nothing. Kiss. Hey. Okay. Regurgitate. What you and I did in our youth Absolutely. quite a lot. Masticate. To chew. Yeah, and this is the one that I did not know. Exungulate. Mm, what's that? Clip your nails. Exungulate. 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 I saw a wonderful tweet this, this week, John, which was, I wish I was rich enough to use summer as a verb. Isn't that amazing? I also wish I was rich enough to use Yes, I'm going to summer at Saint-Tropez. Wouldn't that be amazing? I'm summering on the Cape, referring to Cape Cod. That is our... So, let us get into things. So, before we get into things, uh, an email from Michael. Welcome back, Rebecca D. We missed you too. Thank you, Michael. And he's put it all in capital letters just to show how serious (laughs) he is about this. Now, you're not terribly impressed with the fact that we are in Women's Month, are you? I don't dig it, John. I don't dig it one Why not? Bit. You're a woman and you care about women's issues. <laughs> I am a woman, correct. I do care about women's issues, double correct. And yet, John, I find myself extremely disenchanted with Women's Month. And I know I'm not alone. Aren't we all, basically? This is not a unique sentiment, I'm quite sure. Because what the hell is Women's Month? I ask you with tears in my womanly eyes. It's a serious question. They're very beautiful eyes, Rebecca. <laughs> very beautiful eyes. See, w- Women's Month is a month where you have the freedom to call me up on sexist remarks like that, whereas the other months of the year you might feel a little nervous to do it, but you can get away with it because it's Women's Month. You can say to me, that is a ridiculously sexist response, Maytham. That is true, but also Women's Month gives you apparently the freedom to make these kind of... To, to deliver these kind of compliments. And I don't mean this in a facetious way, John. Somebody was circulating on social media, for instance, um, an incident where uh, a woman had been catcalled and she turned around to the men and she was like, what are you doing? It's Women's Month. As if that is like an unarguable, just for one month, everyone be cool, everyone be, be nice to women. And my, my favorite, actually, example of this this strange, you know, leniency that now granted to women for 31 days is that on the Daily Maverick which is the website where I that that I write for um, we have one very prolific commenter he often writes comments on articles and often highly critical and he announced that he would be <laughs> he was enforcing a kind of um, amnesty for women writers so he oh, would not be giving him. his critical comments for the whole month of August to us women writers because it's <laughs> because it's women's month 
Isn't that nice, John? It's very sweet of you. Mm. Very mm. sweet. I mean, that's why men are the superior species, because they're capable of that sort of, of generosity, generosity of spirit. Generosity of spirit. That's yeah. exactly it, John. Yes. I but, but find... Seriously, Rebecca, the, the way... I mean, you, your very, very funny column on Daily Maverick, I think it was appeared on, on Monday, uh, about the, the marketing opportunity, and, and that's primarily the way it's observed in this country and that's perhaps it. in other countries as well, where they might have something similar, is that it's an opportunity for people to offer women's month specials which bear absolutely no link to the issues which is what women's month is supposed to be about but is there is there not a way of redefining reinvigorating doing it differently of course we want a world where serious issues violence against women and children is dealt with 365 days a year rather than 16 days mm. in december we want a world where women's issues are taken seriously every single day of every single mm. month but isn't there a way of using a day a week a month a campaign period to focus intelligently and productively and with an outcome on the kinds of issues that are important? I, I don't know, actually, John. I honestly don't know what the answer to that is. I mean, it is obviously so infuriating that the, we have to have a Women's Month at all. I mean, it just, I'm sure that, you know, we'll look back on this position and be like, how utterly absurd that we had to have a, a Women's Month in order to focus attention on the inequalities between between the sexes. John, I think basically a woman's month would be good if a it really focused our attention on the gap. It really fo if it really focused our attention on just, you know, just how badly women have it in some s settings for instance economically. And I think b if if the government just poured money into it. I mean, unfortunately, I think that's that's what's needed. If we poured money into reproductive health, if we poured money into various economic empowerment campaigns, then maybe, yes, then Women's Month would have an impact. But again, 31 days, it's such a circumscribed period. What what can you really achieve in a month? It's such a – it's just so short. Yeah. Moving along, uh, you want an ombudsman for churches, do you? Why? I do, John. I don't know if you or your – Listeners watched the quite disturbing episode of Checkpoint this week, which is ENCA's uh, documentary current affairs show, um, in which they focused on a Gauteng church, which where the pastor was forcing his congregants—is that a word? Yes, it is. Was forcing his congregants to eat rats' tails and snakes, and unfortunately, this is totally not uncommon. Um, we just see this continuously, I feel like. It, almost every month there's some article in the news about, you know, some Soshanguve church which is making their, their congregation members strip naked or the pastor walks over them or the pastor forces them to eat, to, to eat grass and drink petrol. And you just get to a point where you start realizing, first of all, who is actually, you know, is there any is there any kind of regulation of this stuff? And the answer seems to be no. There, there just isn't. I mean, in fairness, churches have to be registered as NPOs, non-profit organizations, which I'm sure a lot of them don't do. And um, if they want to get preferential tax treat treatment, they also have to register in a certain manner, which, again, I'm sure a lot of them do not do. But other than that, it just seems like there's absolutely nothing to stop you or me, John, 
setting up a church in our backyard and, you know, just laying down these ridiculous, ridiculous prescripts. And you may well argue, well, why are people so stupid that they, they follow you? And obviously, in your case, it would be because of your charisma. <laughs> My what? <laughs> charisma. But, I mean, there are obviously very, you know, vulnerable people out there who seem to be taken advantage of all the time by these churches. And isn't there a point at which we say we need some kind of consumer? I don't know. We need like a Wendy Knowles for churches. We need some yeah, kind of ombudsman. Isn't that God? <laughs> Isn't God supposed to be the ombudsman mm. of churches? Yeah, may- maybe maybe that's right. I, I'm a little for... a little off duty sometimes. <laughs> it seems <laughs> I'm calling for an ombudsman of dodgy churches because I think it's necessary. Yeah, uh, Rebecca mentioned my charisma. I'll tell a story that uh, when I was after I'd filmed the meat video earlier this week, I was in my car and Stefan and Stephen, who's the videographer were engaged by a woman who'd seen the camera and said, what are you doing? And they said, well, John Matham was in there learning how to cut up some meat. And she said, oh, oh, nobody likes him, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> so my charisma doesn't stretch everywhere. <laughs> and oh, that's lovely. one Jonathan Stanley Kirkwood has decided to ignore the amnesty on being critical of women writers <laughs> In, mm. in August, and he's emailed, Rebecca probably thinks bras are sexist too in that they constrain women. At last we can listen to her leftist egalitarian extremism again. At least she keeps me up to date with the latest trends in liberal thinking. Extremism? How exciting, John. I had no idea I was an extremist. Oh, yes, you are. That... You're an extremist. There should be a law against you. Yeah, some kind of lefty terrorist. Yeah. How exciting. Thank you for that comment. Are you uh, an introvert? No, but people who are introverts, in my experience, John, are always very into being introverts, if you know what I mean. Like, they just want to talk John about it. John is nodding. She clearly understands. <laughs> I'm not an introvert, but people who say they're introverts, I look at them and go, but you're just at a party, like, going crazy. So, no. I mean, the whole the whole um, dichotomy between introvert and extrovert is obviously absurd because I feel all of us are both. I mean, come on. we all All of us are a bit of both. We like quiet nights in and we like wild nights out. Depending on what day it is, we all just like all of that. But people who are introverts for some reason seem to take great pride in this. And I don't know if you've noticed, John, there's been this mushroom of literature, mushrooming of literature over the past few years about introverts and like there's a sort of like introvert pride movement where you know they're reclaiming their quiet space i want to march but by myself (laughs) don't you dare join me on my introvert pride march (laughs) find your own street that's it and some of this discourse is quite enraging in 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 my opinion which is why i was so tickled to read an, an article in the new york magazine this week about the possibility that perhaps some people who consider themselves Introverts may just be covert narcissists. <laughs> At what point, the article asked, does self-reflection cross the line into self-preoccupation? A very good question, I feel. And um, it suggests there are some striking similarities between introversion and covert nar- narcissism, which is basically the um, the sort of delusions of grandeur associated with Nazism, but in a sort of quiet way. And In this article to which Rebecca refers, there yes. is a quiz that you can take to establish <laughs> where you are on the scale. I took the quiz. Did you, Don? Of course I did. I got, my score was 29 out of 50, which means that I am a bit of a closet narcissist, but mm. it is not out of control. Oh, well done. Well done. I'm glad you're keeping it under wraps. Some of the, some of the um, 
the telltale signs are, for instance, that you easily become wrapped up in your own interests and forget the existence of others, which is, I think, definitely an introvert trait as well. You feel that you are temperamentally different from most people, which is why you don't enjoy parties, but everyone else enjoys parties. And when you enter a room, you become self-conscious and feel the eyes of others are upon me, which is actually just not That is true. When I walk in, everyone looks at me. <laughs> it's like charisma, John. <laughs> no, um, it's the strange way I dress. <laughs> <laughs> it is... Um, it's, it's it's paranoid and it's also, uh, you know, it's it's this nexus. What is in, introversion and actually what is just being just really into yourself and being obsessed with yourself? Kevin in Claremont, Rebecca, headphones. Hello, Kevin. I was, I was told by a psychologist friend of mine that the difference between extrovert and introvert is where you recharge. Extroverts like to recharge in a crowd. They feel energized, whereas introverts like to recharge on their own. And she then proceeded to tell me she thinks I am a closet introvert. Ah, you like to recharge in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. And isn't North Korea a trendsetter? Yes, it is. I was so tickled by the story this week, John, because I just kept thinking about the economic freedom fighters and how they really need to take this up. So if you if you haven't followed this, North Korea has announced that it is going to rebel against its colonial time zone by setting its own time zone, which is going to be 30 minutes later than currently. And this is it's like sort of F you to its Japanese um, colonial history. They are going it on their own, making their own time zone, and I just think the EFF needs to take this up now that we're all done with Nkandla. As of the 15th of August, folks, next week, next Saturday, North Korea changes its time zone by half an hour simply to throw off the yoke of crushing (laughs) Japanese colonialism. Rebecca, thank you very, very much. Thank you, John. And be again next Thursday.